This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Sure enough, um, a, a sweetheart deal, slap on the wrist for the president's son. It's a scam. We all know it. But on the bright side, there's something here. There's something. All right. So he just got hooked up by the Justice Department. What this might mean, what what this might mean is that Joe is not running for, for president, that he will drop out, that he will not. This is what he wanted. He wanted his son protected. This is one of the reasons why he wanted the presidency, okay? Uh, it affords, well, a hell of a lot of luxury, opportunity, and protection, protection for that criminal. Look, in my opinion, he's a criminal. You've been through the laptop, right? He, he is a criminal. Hey, actually, he's pleading guilty, it looks like, to, well, mild stuff. Misdemeanor, not reporting not reporting income uh, on time. He filed this stuff late. And the thing about lying on a uh, gun application, he said he wasn't a drug dealer or a drug user, rather. No, not a dealer, a user. He had to swear that he wasn't a drug user. We all know he's a drug user, so he lied on that thing. This is very, very, very minor. I don't care about his tax returns. I care and, and when he filed late or whatever. I, kind of, I I more care about where that money came from. The money came from Ukraine. The money came from China. The money came from Romania. All these weirdo arrangements that that family had. And now we're told that, uh, is this over? Now, I have heard some murmurings that they're saying the Justice Department is saying that the probe is ongoing. I haven't gotten that confirmed. The probe is ongoing into Hunter Biden. I don't know. I don't know. It would be great if that's the case, but I think de facto it's probably winding down. And now that they can really focus on getting President Trump in those boxes. <laughs> Let's see here. The Times. Hunter Biden investigation. Hunter Biden to plead guilty on misdemeanor tax charges. Under a deal with the Justice Department, the president's son agreed to probation for filing his taxes late. And he can avoid a charge that he lied about his drug use when he purchased a handgun. Uh, the Justice Department and Hunter Biden, the president's son, have reached an agreement for him to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges. Um, he will plead guilty to misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his 2017 and 2018 taxes on time and agreed to probation, the court filing said. Now, two interesting things about 2017 and 2018. Those were the first two years of Joe Biden's post-vice presidency. And that first year, 2017, nobody really thought, I don't think even Joe thought that he would run for president. Um, he was not the guy. 2017, and it was all about making money. Oh, boy, $10 million. You know, Joe formed a bunch of S-corps so he didn't have to pay payroll taxes and did a lot of things that rich people do to, um, well, shield themselves from taxes. And uh, $10 million pops up. Nobody can really figure out where this $10 million comes from. 
Uh, it didn't come from his silly book, Promise Me, Dad. He wrote a memoir, you know, about his, uh, just, it was his second book. Who wants to read a book by the ex-vice president of the United States? Uh, not too many people. Ask Mike Pence. Sorry, Mike. Uh, he's going to plead guilty. The deal would most likely resolve the investigation with Mr. Biden serving, without Mr. Biden serving a prison sentence. It's interesting. The left is going to go crazy. Oh, this is fantastic. You know what I mean? Look, this is, there was nothing to it. There was, this is, this has been handled. Um, no, no, just because, look, let's pretend for a moment that they found no criminal wrongdoing, no criminal wrongdoing. That's not what elections are about. You know, when we, when we see unseemly, crummy, cruddy behavior, we usually vote against it. And this has been jammed down our, it hasn't been jammed down our throats. We, it was, it was actually kept from us. It was hidden. It was uh, censored. It was banned from the internet. And the FBI, this, the corruption is so deep, so systemic, it's crazy. Now, the guy who arranged this, oh, it's a Trump appointee, a Trump appointee arranged this deal. Now, Donald Trump never met David C. Weiss, I guarantee you. He's a career prosecutor. Here's the thing with Donald Trump. You know, he gets there. He went there with a good faith expectation that people would try to help him. He's the elected president of the United States. He had no idea about the deep state, that the deep state would turn. I had no idea. I Did you? That they would open a phony investigation during his campaign? That they would try to sabotage his transition? That the first thing Comey would do is present that r- ludicrous Steele dossier? That they spied on his campaign? They did. That they would sabotage the first term with Russia and Ukraine and all this nonsense? We know that... They so toxify the environment around Trump, and they incentivize people to turn against him. They incentivized all these people who are now making money, getting books, getting TV shows by turning on Trump. Same people who, by the way, said they loved him out loud. Scaramucci is a real classic example of this. All right, David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Let's see here. He he worked he he worked for the. He was a prosecutor all the way back to the Bush years. He worked for Bush, he worked for Obama, and he worked for Trump, and he worked for, he's working for Biden. Well, that's an independent prosecutor. Well, that's a career prosecutor. And the career prosecutors, you know, they have so convinced themselves that Trump is a threat to democracy as we know it. This is a bad deal. Um, Trump knows it. Oh, by the way, he came right out. What did he say here uh, on Truth Social just a little while ago? A mere traffic ticket. Our system is broken. And he is right. He is absolutely right. Did you see his interview last night on the uh, what was that? The Fox News Brett Bear show. You know, Fox News was kind of the one place. So one of a couple of places, not many news. Uh, there are some places where Trump could get a fair shake. And, um, well, he can't get it at Fox News anymore. He was all over him, busting his chops. This is the way most interviews go for Trump, by the way. People are horrified. Oh, my gosh, how could he have said it that way? He should not have said it. Somehow, I think he kind of knows what he's doing, don't you? I mean, <laughs> he. Um, but this is the part that's getting the most attention. Are you ready? Uh, cut 52, please, on uh, why did you hire all these people who don't like you anymore? Cut 52. In 2016, you said that. I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. 
Well, I did do that. This we time, had tremendous. Look, we had the best economy we've ever had. This the world time, has ever seen. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr uh, says you shouldn't be president again. I uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, bar a, a gutless pig. Uh, your second defense secretary is not supporting you, called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House chief of staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective Definitely. and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock. Mm. And your first defense secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. Absolutely. You called your White House press secretary, Kayla Kennedy, milquetoast. So and what? multiple times you've referred to your transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China Coco. wife. So why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to 1 that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Millie, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out ISIS. I defeated ISIS. They said, Mattis, it would take three years, and I don't think we can do it. I did it in a period of, like, four weeks. There's a lot of people who You know what? You for Stop for a second. This is, it's it. amazing. All this stuff, all this back politics, beltway crap. Who cares what Rex Tellerson thinks? Who cares what Mick Mulvaney thinks or says? It does not matter. These people all, especially Mick Mulvaney, uh, Chow, uh, Pompeo, they all have a future in the Beltway. And right now, if you are pro-Trump, if you are an ex-Trump official and you remain pro-Trump, you are screwed. You are screwed. Talk about, talk to some of these guys. Talk to the former acting Secretary of Defense, um, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Carter. He could not get a job. Usually when you're an ex Secretary of Defense, every board in America wants to hire you. Uh, but this guy, because he was still pro-Trump, he couldn't get hired. Now, he got a job ultimately, but you either sang that anti-Trump song or you got, well, left out in the cold. Unemployed. That's tough if you're an ex-cabinet official. And all that little trivial nonsense that he just went through, this person says this about you, and that person says this about you, and you said this I beat ISIS. ISIS is gone. And that's true. That is, <laughs> hello, does he? And he never got credit for it. He never got, he said he would beat ISIS. He did beat ISIS. And it wasn't just a timing thing, oh, by the way. Do you remember ISIS? They were lobbing off heads. They took over basically 20% of the Middle East. And he beat him. How? Well, number one, he told Mattis, loosen the rules of engagement. Go for it. Make it happen. He goes over there. He talks to that raisin cane. These are true stories. This is, you know, people say Trump is a micromanager, okay? You give him a statement, he cuts it up. He he does not just sit there and say, okay, thank you. Yes, uh, please do that. No, he wants to know. He makes sure it happens. He follows up. He gets rid of people if they're not fulfilling the mission. It's great. It's great, and it's so uh, counter-cultural in the swamp. They can't stand it. Hey, come on, we're just here to have a good time. Let's let's get some let's get some status. Let's get some attention. Let's let's feather our nest. Let's get some corporate jobs once we get our ticket punched in government. This guy could care less about any of that stuff. 
any of that stuff. Anyway, um, did you see that interview? I, uh, yeah, you know, Brett, Brett, mm, he's got what he wants right now, which is approval of the swamp. And I don't think he's out for the truth. He's a totally nice guy. Um, and he actually, uh, a great dad and his children, uh, one of them had a health struggle and gosh, heroic struggle. The kid, the family all pulling together. And that's beautiful. But, um, at, in terms of his professional life, all he wants is a pat on the back, uh, at the Washington Press Club, uh, the, the White House Correspondents Dinner, the silly Washingtonian magazine. They have all these fake magazines. And they put themselves on the cover and, you know, at home with Brett Bear, Brett and Mrs. Bear. And they sit in this room and that room and they talk about the decorations and all that stuff. All that phony. Some people still like that. I think it, I mean, when's the last time you saw a magazine? When's the last time anybody has thumbed through a magazine? Well, those magazines are still out there and people are still dying to get in those magazines. Um, hey, Speaker McCarthy was really good just a little while ago about he heard this Hunter Biden arrangement. No jail time, probation only. Although I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over. Here's uh, Kevin McCarthy. Cut 50. Cut 50, if you don't mind. Hunter Biden, plea deal on your reaction. My first reaction is it continues to show the two-tier system in America. If you are the president's leading political opponent, DOJ tries to literally put you in jail and give you prison time. If you are the president's son, you get a sweetheart deal. Now, this does nothing to our investigation. I can't hear a damn thing. There's too much echoing. I heard it on TV. It sounded better. He's he's complaining about a two-tiered system of justice, which I don't think does does the situation justice. Okay, there's got to be a worse a worse term. Hey, what's the latest with this uh, this submarine? By the way, El Cheapo submarine. Those people, those millionaires, went down in this El Cheapo submarine. Uh, not even seaworthy. Literally, not seaworthy. They all had to sign a waiver getting on this thing to see the Titanic that we're sending you down there in an untested hunk of junk. They had to sign a waiver. You know what? The fine print, the fine print, I don't like it. You know, when you get a credit card, when you apply for anything, there's so much fine print there. Do these people really know that they were getting into an experimental thing that would possibly wouldn't work? And I just saw a profile of the company. And the guy who runs the company is bragging about how cheap the stuff is, how cheap the equipment is, the avionics, the uh, aquanautics, whatever you call it, the little machinery in there. The control system is a Game Boy, a Sony Game Boy. So uh, that's wrong. Um, look, I, <laughs> I feel terrible for these people. It looks like, I mean, hey, let's keep hope alive. What are we down to? Last night it was 70 hours, so how many hours could be left in the thing? Uh, what's uh, minus uh, uh, 50 hours about? 50, 60 hours of air. Um, do you know how they communicate? I, how? Why didn't they tie a rope? Why didn't they have some sort of chain between the boat and this thing? How could it get lost? Pull it back up. El Cheapo Company. El Cheapo Company, and watch out when you sign those things. The fine print, a waiver my foot. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. All right. It's all great to love your son. And of course, nothing's going to break that bond. But you have to be out there bragging about him and dragging him over to Ireland and hanging around him for, uh, well, for your entire professional career. As soon as Hunter was old enough, he was basically Joe Biden's wingman. He was Joe Biden's wingman. I found this incredible footage from South Carolina in 2006 on a Friday night. Joe goes to South Carolina for some reason, money, uh, to deliver a political speech. And Hunter is with him every step of the way. And the video is incredible. He's shadowing his father. He's just staring at him. Now, like, what's happening here? What's happening here? And at the moment of truth, he knows when to swoop in. He knows, like, you know, be talking to somebody, well, I, I, I might be able to help you. Have you met my son, Hunter? Uh, he has a law firm in Washington. Oh, really? Huh? Do you have a card? And then the business gets done. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. And mm, I don't think they're going to get away with it. I just can't believe it's going to work out for them. I know it's not over. It can't be. Hey, also, let's hope it's not over for these uh, submarine people. Okay, gosh. Now, this is what I was talking about, the El Cheapo uh, situation with the sub. Listen to this. This experimental vessel has not been approved by any regulatory body. The waiver Titanic's need to sign up before embarking on the $250,000 deep sea trip to view the wreckage of the Titanic could result in physical injury, emotional trauma, or death. This is the warning. This is, they got to sign, they got to sign a waiver saying that they know all this stuff. Uh, they pay $250,000 to descend 13,000 feet below sea level to view the wreck of the Titanic. But the submersible, not approved by any regulatory body from the Daily Mail, um, that's kind of insane, don't you think? This is one of the reasons why, look, if you're, if you're a skydiver, great. Um, but I want, I want, I'll, I'll skydive if you guys promise that the, uh, that the parachute will work no matter what. Okay. Some, I, I once went, uh, I thought about skydiving and they wanted me to sign a waiver saying if the parachute doesn't work, it's your fault. No, I think it's, uh, I think it's the person who packs the parachute. I think it's that person's fault. And if you hired the guy, it's your fault too. Uh, Ocean Gate Expeditions was founded in 2009 to take wealthy explorers to see the ship, which hit an iceberg back in 1912. The wreck was not located until 1985, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you, boarding the submersible, you must sign a waiver that states this experimental vessel has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body. Could result in physical injury, emotional trauma, or death. At that point, you say, no. <laughs> well, you have a virtual reality thing? Can I, can I watch it on Netflix? But I'm not going. 
Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority goldguide.com Greg Kelly entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network The guy who runs this company uh, that took these people to the bottom of the sea is actually in the damn submarine himself it's the Ocean Gate uh, company and his name is Stockton Rush Stockton Rush number one Damn, I hope they find these guys alive. We're praying for you really seriously. Uh, damn, this is, te- this is tough stuff. Listen to this guy's background. Stockton Rush. He became the youngest jet transport rated pilot in the world when he obtained his DCA type captain's rating at the United Airlines Jet Training Institute in 1981 at the age of 19. He served as a DC-8 first officer during college summers flying out of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia for overseas national airways under a subcontract from Saudi Arabian Airlines. Over the course of three summers, Rush flew to locations such as Cairo, Damascus, Bombay, London, Zurich, and Khartoum. In 1984, Rush joined the McDonnell Douglas Corporation as a flight test engineer on the F-15 program. During this time, he spent two years, this guy is incredible, spent two years at Edwards Air Force Base uh, testing radars, uh, the APG-63 radar, which I'm actually somewhat familiar with. Uh, over the past 20 years, Rush has overseen the development of multiple successful IP ventures. IP. In- what is IP? What, what is that? In- uh, the, 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 the venture cap? No, no, IP. Well, whatever. Uh, Internet stuff? He served on the board of directors of, uh, all right, he's done a lot of interesting things. He's a pilot, you know, international man of mystery. Graduated from Princeton with a uh, degree in engineering, MBA from Berkeley. And uh, all right, so it looks like he knows his stuff. However, was he going El Cheapo on this uh, submarine? David Pogue, have you ever heard of him? He used to write for the New York Times. Really interesting guy. Uh, I met him once. He uh, is a tech geek in the best possible way. He knows this stuff inside and out. And he went on that submarine last summer and he was like, uh, I'm not so sure about this submarine. Uh, he couldn't, I said, this is a quote, I couldn't help noticing how many pieces of this sub seemed improvised with off-the-shelf components. Piloting the craft is run with a video game controller. Huh. Um, that's not right. It's not right. Fears are mounting. I mean, we're all worried. This thing could have imploded. It could have just disintegrated underwater, so they're gone, long gone. No wreckage has been found. However, you think about it, this wreckage would not float to the top, right? It would, it would just, it would, it would go to the bottom. The Coast Guard, the options are rather limited. They can't, they can't send divers down two miles. They can't, they don't have any, um, craft that can do that. I heard the one that, they have one that can go 10,000 feet and it can lift something that's 4,000 pounds. But this, this, uh, El Chipo submarine costs or weighs 20,000 pounds. So it's a big, 
mess. It's a big mess. Let's just hope they're somehow they could be on the surface. The area where they're looking, and this is something I'm totally confused by, is the size of the state of Connecticut. They're scouring a chunk of the ocean the size of the state of Connecticut. Well, the Titanic is just not that big. It's a very big ship, was a very big ship, but it doesn't take up that space. And why didn't they have some sort of link, some sort of physical link between the boat and um, and this ridiculous, I'm sorry, but this is uh, getting me angrier and angrier, and that, that waiver they make them all sign. Emotional trauma or death, read the fine print, whether it's getting on a... Uh, whether it's getting a credit card, going bungee jumping, or getting into an experimental, not approved for maritime use, submersible. I got all these people on TV telling me the difference and uh, popping up, emailing me the difference between a submersible and a submarine. A submersible apparently has no real maneuverability. It just goes down and up, whereas a submarine, you know, has its own propulsion system and can... You can kind of drive the submarine all over the place. This submersible has very limited, um, limited, uh, maneuverability. And how are they communicating? They don't have radios. You know what they were doing? They were text messaging. Doesn't that seem totally inadequate? What else are we going to find out? You know, this is as silly as going to the top of Mount Everest. Sorry. You should Google this. Google tourists at the top of Mount Everest. Do you know that there's like a line? Sometimes there'll be a line. There'll be a backup of a hundred people waiting to get to the top of Mount Everest. It's become this silly thing. And you hire these people to help you and non mountain climbers can actually go up there and do this. And they do all the heavy work for you. They carry your stuff. Sometimes they'll even carry you. People get sick and die and the weather can change like that. And it's still incredibly dangerous. Although every now and then you'll meet somebody like, I've been to the top of Mount Everest. Well, don't be impressed unless that they're like a, a hardcore mountain climber. And don't be impressed, period. I mean, we discovered that, what, 1950? When was that guy? Who was that guy? Sir Edmund Hillary and his uh, his little buddy there. Hey, not everything is right between us and China. Did you see Secretary of State Blinken, that guy named Tony? Oh, man, he looks like he's wetting his pants. Listen to this. I mean, seriously, he has the look of a guy who just, I'm sorry to be crude, wet his pants. Cut 53. So with Beijing, the balloon incident is over. Water under the bridge? We did what we needed to do to protect our interests. We said what we needed to say and made clear what we needed to make clear in terms of this not happening again. And so uh, as long as it doesn't, that uh, that chapter should be closed. Oh, as uh, this shouldn't happen again, and please don't let it happen again. Where the hell is Henry Kissinger or Al Haig or George Shultz or who are the other kick-ass secretaries of state? Who are the real good ones? It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, Tony does not have the gravitas for this job. Cut 41. To our, our hosts, that China's broad economic success is also in our interest. Um, we have done a remarkable job rebounding from, from COVID and having a, a growing economy, very low unemployment. Oh, you got to look at the, the, the look on his face. He's worried. He's like somebody just killed his puppy. I mean, I just, there's something about, you've got to have a certain presence. And, um, you know, if you can't make it, fake it. If you can't make it, fake it. It's one of the, one of the traits, actually, of leadership, uh, tact, bearing. 
It's one thing that John Kelly, the chief of staff, who's now bad-mouthing Trump all over town, that's the one thing he had going for him. He looked the part. He looked like a tough guy. Well, just because you look like a tough guy doesn't mean you're a tough guy, and it certainly doesn't mean you're a smart guy. And uh, he's trying to score points with the with the swamp, which is easy to do. If you turn on Trump, you will uh, do um, do very well in the swamp, but it will make you a terrible person. Anything else on this thing? Uh, the, the 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 reports are still coming in. People reacting to um, the plea arrangement. Hunter Biden, no jail time, misdemeanor, uh, tax, uh, guilty plea. He did not file on time. The gun thing goes away. Here's, well, let's check in with, uh, what does Trump call him? DeSantis? No, we'll call him Ron DeSantis. Cut 51. Cut 51. Two different sets of rules depending on whether you're a member in good standing of elite society or not. If Hunter were a Republican, he would have been in jail years ago. Uh, I think he's on to something. <laughs> I mean, you look at what they're putting Trump through. This is insane. This is, you know, Joe Biden had secret documents by his own admission from 1974. He was a United States senator in 1974. You're not allowed to take documents home. You're not. Not when you're a senator. No way. That is against the law. But he has, what do we call it? Democrat immunity. It's really amazing. Mike in Oyster Bay. Hello. Hey, Greg, first of all, you've the, you're the got to be the best show on radio and TV, and I, I never miss you. Um, I think they're going to use this this plea deal and to try to use the double jeopardy standards, no matter what you try to stick on him with charisma and all that, they'll say he can't be tried because of a double jeopardy. I'm not a lawyer, but I think they're going to try that. I'm not a lawyer either, but uh, I think that uh, that's not going to – what he's got to be afraid of – not afraid of. I think the whole thing is uh, set up to protect him. But there is word from the Justice Department that the probe is ongoing, all right, that they have not stopped the probe. They haven't stopped investigating. And this is two things. This is uh, – I mean, look, what if he's arranging for bribes? What if he's actually, uh, you know, telling uh, Burisma, hey, do this or else my father will get really mad and hurt you? I mean, he might be on audio tape saying that. Senator Grassley said last week, I don't think this could possibly cover. If they find, if they have audio taped evidence of these guys accepting bribes and changing American policy uh, because they receive money, uh, this is not going to cover that. Interesting thought. Mike, I appreciate it. Hey, uh, how close do you live to uh, Billy Joel in Oyster Bay? Uh, right down the road. You're but kidding. He's selling, though. He's selling. I, you can afford it, but I can't afford no, it. No, I no, no. It's $50 million I saw on the paper. Can do you ever see the helicopter? I hear he takes a helicopter to uh, Madison Square Garden, or at least he did. Yeah, I do have, I have seen helicopters going in and out of there. It's such a huge property that you can't see it from the street anywhere near it. You know what's funny? You but, get a big, massive mansion like that, and five minutes later, you're just sitting on the couch on your phone. There's only so much you can do with a great, big, gigantic house. Uh, thank you, Mike. Andrew and Stanhope, yes. Hey, what's up, Greg? I'm afraid that Mayor Fuller's duping you or fooling you like Obama did in 2008. I did many news now, stories. Now, first of all, was- first of all, who the hell is Mayor Fuller? In uh, Jersey City, Mayor, you were talking about him yesterday. His name, well, is, okay, no, you got me confused. Uh, well, I think you're confused. Sorry, Andrew, but his name is Fulop, F-U-L-O-P, Mayor Fulop. And nobody's had has me confused. I saw something in the paper that he wants to run for governor. And uh, he's an ambitious guy, and he wants to run. So what are you talking about? He's tricking me. 
Well, you were impressed with Obama in 08 that he's bringing racial relations, but he was just doing that together in the general when he was pandering. Now, to the but, 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 I, but, but, my, 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 my odyssey with Obama is fine. Don't throw that back in my face, Andrew, okay? I've been very upfront about all that. Yes, I was conned. And the only thing I said about Fulop is he's thinking about running for governor. I haven't talked to the guy in a dozen years. I don't know what the hell he's doing. I don't know what kind of mayor he is. And, uh, so no one's tricking me, okay? I mean, uh, so you don't like him. You did a news story on him, and uh, what'd you find out? One in particular that's very offensive, and it relates to your father and your, their, your little, his little granddaughters, Black Lives Matters. They tribute in the city hall there, and Mayor Fuller sat there in approval. Nodding his head. When You're really trying to personalize this. You're really trying to tick me off. I get it. Like most Democrats, he's woke. He's doing the whole Black Lives Matter dance. All right. That's what the Democrats do. I don't like it. Uh, but that's what they do. And, um, I mean, they all do it. They all do it. Formerly not insane Democrats are doing this nonsense. Andrew, thank you. Um, yeah, what else do I know about that guy? Uh, former Marine. I think he made some money on, on Wall Street. Who cares? I mean, when's the election anyway? You guys have, <laughs> what's his name? Murphy. Bad guy. Although he really sees himself as a uh, president of the United States. I just, man, when Murphy said that people who oppose him are like white supremacists, right? I mean, <laughs> I wonder about New Jersey. I mean, how is it that Democrats win statewide so much? Huh? How is it that Democrats win? Hey, speaking of uh, Cory Booker, at one point, not a totally insane guy. Listen to him lately. Cory Booker on reparations, New Jersey, right? Black people, reparations for black people in New Jersey, cut 19. Let us make restitution. Let us repair the damage that was done. Then on a day of jubilee, a day of freedom, a day to celebrate our ancestors, I want to celebrate the New Jersey Institute of Social Justice. Why are people resisting the efforts to focus and measure that specific harm and for this nation to make restitution or to bring about justice? Because it's ludicrous and stupid and will never work and will just help rip this country apart and put people at each other's throats and enhance resentment, more resentment than it already is there, thanks to big media, big tech, big Democrats like you. Wow. Wow. Slavery. How many hundreds of years ago, right? Yeah, in New Jersey. Okay. You see these hearings that are going on in uh, in California? N- n- not Foolish looking people are going up there and saying, I want three million dollars right now from the state because of uh, stuff that happened that didn't even happen in California. (laughs) There was no slavery in California, although what's happening there right now certainly kind of looks like slavery to a woke and perverted ideology. You know what? Barbara has opened my eyes. You know, Barbara, of course. Right. Um, You know, this whole. The gay pride thing, pushing it to the extent that it's been pushed, it's offensive. It really is. It's, it's, they're picking a fight. They're picking a fight. Now, those kinds of, that lifestyle, I'll develop this in the next block, but there are issues that people have with it. Christians, Jews, Muslims, right? But they're saying by this becoming so ubiquitous, the pride flag on the landing page of uh, Amazon, of uh, <laughs> corporate America putting their arms around this stuff.
Why can't we just leave it alone? Why? Why do I take my religious beliefs? I mean, yeah, I share them from time to time, uh, but do I, you know, to subscribe to this show or to, to subscribe to a, a podcast or whatever, do I, do I bother you with that stuff? It shouldn't really be a bother. You know what I'm talking about. They're going too far. More in a moment. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, shouldn't they have changed the venue for this Hunter Biden sweetheart deal? It's the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Uh, Delaware is owned by the Bidens. Okay, Delaware, that's, uh, first of all, it's a very puny state. All right. It's uh, smaller than Suffolk County with fewer people. Uh, it's smaller than like 50 counties in America. It's a very, very small place. This place is small. I mean, we're talking, uh, <laughs> Rhode Island could beat the crap out of it in a war in about two seconds. Um, so you've got this guy Weiss and he's not going to, he's not going to challenge a president. This is where you probably needed an independent uh, prosecutor, don't you think, right? Um, but this might be the handiwork of Bill Barr. Uh, Bill Barr, <clears throat> it looks like he made sure that this went to the U.S. attorney in Delaware, where it would all be handled. It would be handled. So what do you expect from the, uh, this, uh, the swamp, huh? The swamp. And what does the swamp tell us? They tell us that George Floyd is a civil rights icon. They tell us that the Horns guy and his uh, Duck Dynasty friends are worse than Al-Qaeda terrorists and worse than 9-11. They tell us the Afghanistan loss was a strategic withdrawal. Not that we had our ass beat in Afghanistan and we totally defeated we are after 20 years. They'll tell us that Rachel Levine, Dr. Rachel Levine, the man who dresses as a woman and pretends to be a woman at the Department of Health and Human Services, should somehow be around children and coming up with policy that affects children's health. No. The Swamp tells us that Leah Thomas is a champion female swimmer. No. The Swamp tells us that Joe Biden's Labor Day speech last year was unifying. No. They tell us the FBI is a impartial, professional law enforcement agency. That may have been true a long time ago, but no. Or that Merrick Garland somehow is an honorable person as the Attorney General of the United States. Absolutely not. You can see it. This guy running around telling us that January 6th is worse than 9-11 and the largest investigation ever run by the FBI and the DOJ is January 6th. They say that the Corvette in Joe's garage is cute and all that classified documents right behind his uh, Corvette, that that's somehow, that's just Joe. And the China balloon that, well, shooting down the China balloon, once it completed, completed its reconnaissance mission over the continental United States that you had to shoot it down after, after it left United States airspace. These are the kinds of, this is the bizarre world that is the swamp. Up is down, right is wrong. It's just, it's insane. And I think the antidote to this stuff is Trump. Now, I know he's rough around the edges. I know he drives people crazy. But in so many ways, he is the most traditional president we've we've ever had we may ever have 
traditional values, freedom, the Constitution, (laughs) government stay out of our lives, forget this gender stuff. Why is the President of the United States talking about kids and whether they're boys or girls? And what's he even doing with kids, period? All right, so... Hey, I got to say this. I thought this was fake news when I first saw it. It was like some sort of meme that somebody made up. Did you know that to win an Oscar, the best picture, to even be eligible for it, you have to uh, have all kinds of you know people of color or you got to have uh, underrepresented groups or LGBTQ? Did you know that? To qualify for best picture, a film needs at least one main actor from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. That would rule out a lot of movies. Some of my favorite movies. The Godfather. Rocky. No, Rocky would make it because uh, Apollo Creed was black. Great performance. Would Schindler's List make it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how about E.T.? Extraterrestrial. Was that What was that Martian? Was that a boy or a girl? Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, you could um, you could be the best parents in the world, and the kids turn out to be well, you know, whatever, right? You could, you try your best, maybe you succeed, maybe you don't, and uh, hopefully they they grow up to be great people. But and then you can have parents who are absolutely terrible, and the kid somehow turns out to be an exemplary person. Um, so there's that, but with Hunter, you know, I think a lot of the blame does go to, uh, to Joe and there's this little, uh, uh, passage in Hunter Biden's book. And actually the same story is told in, in Joe Biden's book. Hunter is a little kid and his father asks him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Hunter says, I want to be important. And Joe in his own book says, I know what you mean. Seven-year-old kid, I want to be important. I know what you mean. Is that is that any way to uh, is that any lesson for a seven-year-old kid? I I know what you want. You want to be oh, you want to be important. Uh, no, you want to do something of value. You want to serve people or create something of value or a service or a skill. Uh, I mean, Joe would probably know. You would think more than anybody else that being important is. Is it really all it's cracked up to be? Maybe for Joe it is. Maybe, um, you know, walking into a room and everybody wanting to shake his hand uh, as a senator there in uh, Delaware was the cat's meow. But I think most healthy humans would say there's got to be more to it. And importance, why? Importance as a result of what? You have to do something, right? Don't you? Don't you? All right, everybody's weighing in now. The Hunter Biden plea deal is a joke. It's a feigned retreat and reveals they're even more scared than ever of scrutiny for the real crimes. That's from Vivek Ramatswamy. Good for you, Vivek. Let's see what everybody else is saying. You know, uh, where's Asa Hutchinson on this? Huh? Where's Chris Christie, Nikki Haley? This plea deal only raises further questions. Our uh, we have a two-tier system. This is clearly a lot more the Biden family, there is clearly a lot more the Biden family has to answer for. All right. That's kind of a no brainer if you are Republican running. Um, for the, then it gets really kind of twisted for them how, or a little complicated. How do we handle, how do we handle Trump? 
You know, that's uh, they are chasing their own tail when it comes to Trump. They're horrified by him. I'm talking about the the rhinos who are running for president. Uh, and they think that last night's uh, Brett Baer interview was somehow a disaster for Trump. I do not see it that way at all. Um, let's try cut six. Brett Baer on with Donald Trump. Cut six. Mike Pence had documents that were classified. And he turned them over. No, he didn't turn them over. He got caught. His lawyers found some documents, and then he turned them over. Why did he have them? He shouldn't be saying that because he had classified documents. And immediately they said, oh, that's okay. And I suppose it's going to be okay with Biden, too, even though he has him in Chinatown, even though he has him in Delaware, and probably a hundred times more than I have. A hundred times more than he has. He's um, he's on at something as usual. You know, I was watching um, CNN over the weekend, and there was this guy, Mike Turner. He's a congressman from Ohio, Republican. And, you know, secret documents, you know how often they pop up? With National Archives, they're making like it sound like this has never happened before in the history of the country. Are you kidding me? Cut 23, please. Mike Turner, Republican of Ohio. Not the biggest Trump fan in the world, but uh, he's no rhino either. Cut 23. Well, we heard from the archivists that every administration since Reagan has delivered to them documents that included classified and unclassified documents mixed. And 80 members of Congress have sent documents to libraries where the libraries had to subsequently get in touch with them and say, we found classified documents, including Senator Muskie, who had 98 classified documents. <laughs> 80 members of Congress turned over documents and there was classified stuff in there? Muskie? Who's Edmund Muskie? Edmund Muskie is a real blast from the past. 1972. He was the Democrat that the Republicans were most afraid of. They were terrified of Edmund Muskie. In fact... That might be why Watergate happened. <laughs> uh, creep, the committee to reelect. They wanted to, uh, engineer it so that Muskie was not nominated because Muskie was not as, uh, crazy leftist as George McGovern. So they got the candidate they wanted to run against, George McGovern, won 49 states to one. Uh, Muskie, anyway, just a small footnote there, but did you hear that? People wind up with these documents all the time. All the time. Um, Let's see here. And Joe, can he explain these documents from the 1970s in his house? Cut 25. My knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up were things that from 1974 and stray papers. There may be something else I don't know. 1974. He implicates himself a lot. And the fake news covers for him. They cover for him on the the big, serious stuff and the minor gaffes, of course, that come across like, well, do we want to hear him say, uh, God save the queen again? (laughs) Just it is pretty wild. Um, uh, Cut 28. It's the first order. My daughter, Ashley, tapped, uh, taped a mirror, uh, excuse me, a message in the mirror. The way we get to everything gets to me through my wife and daughter now. Don't make me a dog faced lion pony soldier. God save the queen, man. And then he put up his dukes and he did the fake run. And it's, um, look, they know that he can't be the nominee, but they don't know what to do about Kamala Harris. If he's not the nominee, how do they get Kamala out of there? And as we all know, Kamala is a totally ridiculous human being. Got 29, anybody? Everything is in context. My mother used to, she would give us a hard time sometimes, and she would say to us, 
I don't know what's wrong with you young people. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? <laughs> you exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. No, nobody knows what that means. The coconut tree was kind of a, um, but then again, they're not, they're not running scared right now. Joe Biden out there campaigning over the weekend. Oh, speaking of which, when Joe, uh, does something political, and this is what all politicians want. They come out and they say, we're going to talk about social security. Uh, and the reporters, well, they've heard it all before and they don't want to talk about what the candidate wants to talk about. So they'll come up with something else, some other angle. Uh, Trump went through this for two years. He wanted to talk about uh, making America great again. They wanted to talk about Russia. All right. He wanted to talk about uh, defeating ISIS. They wanted to talk about Ukraine. But when Joe campaigns and Joe comes out, he says, uh, I want to talk about uh, infrastructure. I want to talk about uh, the economy doing great. Guess what the guess what the media does? Well, they cooperate. They oblige. They put their cynicism on the shelf and they become stenographers just writing down what the boss says cut 26 score and his administration's commitment to helping rebuild that collapse he talked about how important that interstate is in this region and in the northeast corridor a part of the assistance president biden was referring to there is providing federal reimbursements to the state in addition to all that president biden has arrived here to the philadelphia convention center where he is expected to give remarks to a union rally uh, you see, it's all very much on message, on message with a little bit of, um, I don't know, sweetness thrown in. Cut 27 MSNBC on Joe Biden's big weekend. The first order of business for President Biden here in Philadelphia today was to get a first-hand look at really the impact of that highway collapse just last Sunday. We also heard from President Biden talking about the federal resources that have helped make this make this a reality. The president talking about how there's no more important infrastructure project in the country right now than getting that a piece of the highway reopened, but it's a pivot to the message he's going to bring here. The other order of business, Alex, I thought you'd want to know, today is the 46th wedding anniversary of the president and the first lady who's joining him here. Today and they're going to be heading to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, to celebrate tonight. Oh, isn't that beautiful? That's the fake news—a total cover-up con job, protecting Democrats, doing anything they can to slip up Trump, and everything. <laughs> you know, it's it's just Trump is innocent of all of this stuff. It's incredible just how consistently innocent he is. And these guys, they're the prisoners of the swamp. They know how it works. They're using that system against him. And he came in there a little bit like a babe in the woods. He did not know what to expect. He did, I think, expect that people would deal with him at least in good faith. That didn't happen. And regarding Joe Biden's, um, you know, kind of weird confidence out there, I want you to listen to Scott Adams. He meant, he made up the Dilbert cartoon. He's a little bit controversial these days, but, uh, Said something rather, well, take a look. 30. The reddest of red flags is that Biden is not actively campaigning. And he's running for office, president. And it looks like the polls are you know, competitive. So it's not like he's going to win automatically and he knows it. So what are two reasons you could give me why somebody in this situation would not be aggressively campaigning? So so one possibility is he's so confident he doesn't need to campaign. Does that sound real? Uh, not really. 
The other possibility is he's not planning to be the candidate. And he knows it because he's planning it. Not planning to be the candidate. And then also there is, are they going to screw with the election uh, like many of us believe they did last time? And it's okay. It's still legal, I think, to raise questions about the fairness of the 2020 election. Well, don't blame the blame game. Don't look back. You got to look forward. Okay, look forward to next time. If we can't talk about our concerns about what happened in 2020, they'll do it again in 2024, won't they? Is anybody worried about that? And especially if Trump is the nominee, they will feel so emboldened because they must save democracy. And they've convinced so many people of that. Now, I do believe actually Trump can save democracy. They think he's a threat to democracy. So to save it, they'll cheat. I am very, very worried about that. Aren't you? I mean, I I don't think we have this thing. I don't think people are really confronting what this is all about. They will do anything. These lawyers, and they can get away with it. They will get away with it. You heard how the media just gives them a pass on this, on that, on everything else. They're covering for his sins. They're covering for his gaffes. Um, And they'll look the other way if there's serious uh, cheating, I do believe. Uh, Rob and Rye, yeah. Greg Kelly. uh, So you brought up about um, Henry Kissinger. You realize the reason why we're in this with China today is because of Henry Kissinger, because he advised Nixon to normalize relations with China. And and people say that uh, Kissinger was a smart statesman. He was the worst thing ever happened in the United States. And ah, he wasn't believe- so bad. And I've heard this before that, you know, the Chinese has a multi-century plan. Uh, and uh, we thought we were being sophisticated and cute, um, you know, t- kind of working them against the Russians. I think in 1972, when we did open uh, China and normalize relations, uh, you know, we were deathly afraid of uh, of the Soviet Union. And I think it helped bring about the demise of the Soviet Union. I'm going to give uh, Henry Kissinger a pass on that stuff. Um, what else? I'm giving him a pass. Huh? I'm not giving him a pass. And I'll tell you what, uh, you he's know, also, I believe he's also been the leader of the sub government because every time some diplomatic thing needs to come up, who do they bring their du- his dusty old bones up at Henry Kissinger? Well, they haven't done it in a long time. I know they brought him in for the uh, 9-11 investigation, which I got to admit made me a little bit, huh? I'm like, huh? Him? Him? And that didn't last uh, too long. He's a hundred years old now. A hundred years old. You know, he was only in government for eight years, Henry Kissinger. Hey, he was actually pretty big on Trump. You know, everybody was bad-mouthing Trump all the time, and they went to him like, what do you think of Trump? He goes like, he has exactly what he needs. He can fill the room. He's like an animal, which is exactly what you need. You can't have one of these pinheads with a briefing book. Anyway, Rob, uh, thank you, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Trump is so oblivious, he didn't even realize how messed up it would be to have a rally on Juneteenth. Listen, Brother Trump, I'm born in Tulsa, so I don't want to get started with Tulsa now. Donald Trump originally planned his first rally on Juneteenth, just right by the site of one of the worst racist slaughters in American history. (sighs) We had a federal holiday yesterday. Did you enjoy it? Were you off? Did you notice the spike in violence across the country? Horrific shootings all weekend long. 
Many of them tied to Juneteenth celebrations. One of the problems is nobody really knows, still understands what Juneteenth is all about. Why is it a federal holiday? It all started back in 2020 as a movement to upset, to basically cancel a Trump rally. Yes, they had a Trump rally planned for June 19th. And if it were any other year, any other president, uh, nobody would have said boo. But you heard what they said. They all freaked out on cue. On cue because, uh, oh, it's Juneteenth. It's Juneteenth. It's Juneteenth. Um, a phony issue. And they, they exploited it. They understood people were kind of, especially media types. Can I say out loud that I don't know what Juneteenth is? No, you can't. Do you want to be? No, no, don't say that. Just be horrified like the rest of us that he doesn't know what Juneteenth is. Oh, my goodness gracious. Now, if any of them had done uh, eight seconds of research, they could have found Barack Obama not saying anything about Juneteenth on Juneteenth throughout his presidency. Instead, saying stuff like this, cut 40. At the White House, he had uh, the old Bulls theme song. And (laughs) it set a very high bar as if I was Michael Jordan coming out. Just and guess what? Donald Trump and Barack Obama did the same thing on Juneteenth for each year of their presidency. Uh, they put out a statement, a statement. Donald Trump didn't even know. Like the, the, there's a press machine. I talked about this. The press machine puts out stuff all the time right now. Arbor Day, National Frito Day, National whatever. And uh, uh, Juneteenth. Juneteenth does not rise to the level of national holiday. It just doesn't. It's uh, sorry if it didn't before. Why now? Why now? Well, everything's about race and didn't have something to do with slavery in Texas. All right. Tell me more. Tell me more. Right. You don't know. You don't know, do you? Maria in Short Hills. Hi. Hi, Greg. Thanks for taking my call. I was going to talk about something else, but being we're talking about that low-life hunter, this just popped into my head. Remember about a year, a year and a half ago, he was creating those works of art, and I say that with my air quotes, and sell, selling them for like 500000 a million dollars, and we weren't allowed to know who the buyers of these masterpieces were? Yes. You don't think that was shady? Could you even imagine if Don Jr. or Eric did anything like like this uh it's in <laughs> the electric chair i mean it's uh no the hypocrisy the double standard it'll make you head spin but we're in this weird orwellian soviet union type media age and no one will tell the truth very very few people willing to tell the truth i don't understand why but you're right you remind me of that crazy artwork that he's still selling that's not that's still an ongoing venture you know he's still out there he was here a couple of weeks ago at some art gallery downtown. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Thanks for the info, but nobody even cares. It's like, you know, move along, folks. Nothing to see here. They get away with everything, Greg. Well, it's not going to last forever, and uh, you know who sees everything, sees everything, and he has a way of making everything work out. So uh, hang in there, do your part, and have faith. Be right back. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, Brandon Strzok is a political activist, and he's been encouraging people to do what he did 
uh, many years ago now, walk away from the Democrat Party. He was, uh, well, he was tired of the lies. And when he caught him in one of the biggest lies, he knew uh, time was up for him and the Democrats, uh, his his future in the Democrats. He left that party, and he's been encouraging all kinds of people to join uh, his movement. Brandon Strzok, welcome to WABC. How are you? Doing great. Uh, good to be here. Thanks. Uh, so what's the, first of all, tell everybody the story, where you were, what you were doing when you realized that the Democrat Party and the media just kind of colluding and being so dishonest and so harmful for the country. Well, I was, uh, I was living my best liberal life, uh, in New York City. That would have been around 2016, uh, Hillary versus Trump. Um, you know, and as that election started heating up and that campaign started heating up, uh, the media that I trusted, like CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, et cetera, you know, became more and more vocal and outspoken about Trump being a bigot, a racist, a homophobe, like the second coming of Hitler to run for office. And I was buying into all of it, just like I think most liberals on the left were. And but the thing is, the same media that was saying all of these things kept saying, but don't worry about it too much because he has like a three percent chance of winning. So when he did win, uh, like most people on the left, I had a nervous breakdown and started crying and freaking out, and I was scared. And, and so I kind of went on this journey to understand how did the media get it so wrong? How did they, uh, how did the, this horrible person get elected, and why were they so off in their perception of how many people were supporting him? And through the, the, this, this journey that I went on, the pivotal moment for me was uh, I had posted on social media that I'd never be able to understand how anyone could support a man who was capable of mocking a reporter's disability. And that's when somebody reached out to me privately with a video entitled Debunking the Trump Mocked the Disabled Reporter, which showed very conclusively that he didn't actually do that, that he was just engaging in a gesture that he does all the time when he's imitating anybody who's flailing because they're caught in a lie. Yeah, so it was a New York Times reporter who had, I think, cerebral palsy, and he was talking about him, how he, I guess he wrote a fake news story and got caught and they challenged him, and he, he raises his arms, kind of like somebody with cerebral palsy. Like, I don't remember. But you, uh, you, this video shows that Donald Trump did the same gesture about people like Ted Cruz, people like Ben Carson, people like all kinds of political enemies that he had at the time. He was doing the same thing. And it's so remarkable. It's so wild. And it's so it was so unfair to him. Well, what's really gross, too, is that not only does he do it, had he been doing this all the time and even long before he ever ran for office, but CNN intentionally freeze framed it at him because he was flailing his arms around. You know, he was just kind of like flapping his arms back and forth and going like, oh, you know, I don't remember what I said. But they intentionally freeze framed it at a moment when his arm had kind of hooked in and they made it. And then they took a picture of that reporter whose arm is like looks similar to that freeze frame. So, I, I mean, when you think about it, it's actually disgusting what they did because they intentionally said, oh, look how this reporter's arm looks. Let, let's freeze frame the image when it looks like that yeah. and then tell the people that he's making fun of this this disability that this reporter has. It, it's really, really disgusting. Well, so unfair to President Trump and so unfair to the viewers, to the people. I mean, how to talk about information warfare. So uh, just 
so anti-journalism, um, what it should be. Hey, um, tell us a little bit, and um, we've talked about this before, but um, you were there on January 6th, and I want to make it clear to everybody, you did not break anything, you did not hurt anyone, and you did not go inside the Capitol, but they did get you on some federal misdemeanor uh, um, accounts, and uh, you were under house arrest for how long? So they put me on house arrest for three months with an ankle tracking monitor, and then I'm, I'm currently on federal probation for three years. Now, what did they, I mean, like, all right, so you didn't break anything. I've seen the videotape of you. I don't understand what you did. (laughs) Well, I think there are a lot of people who agree with you on that. But uh, so what people should understand, first and foremost, is that I was on the east side of the Capitol, uh, which is to say the opposite side of the Capitol as people were breaking windows and, and struggling with police officers. None of that was going on where I was. And in fact, when I arrived on the Capitol grounds and I was a scheduled Speaker to speak at a permitted event on the Capitol grounds, um, I had heard that people were going inside the building. So that's when I walked up toward the east side of the building. And when I got there, there was a man standing at the top of the stairs and a large crowd of people. And he's shouting, they've opened the doors. They're letting us in. So I walked up to the top of the stairs on the east side. And sure enough, when I got there, the doors of the Capitol were open and there was a crowd of people outside. Some were trying to push their way in. Others were just filming like I was doing. And I filmed for about eight minutes, and then a man came out of the building and said, they've cleared Congress, everybody left the building, move out. And I immediately turned around and moved out. But I uploaded the video that I had shot to Twitter, and then two and a half weeks later, uh, an FBI SWAT team raided my apartment, got me out of jail, or got me out of bed and took me to jail, and began stripping my apartment of my phones, my computers, my hard drives, thumb drives. And they actually initially charged me with two felonies and a misdemeanor, and they threatened to charge me with a third felony of obstruction of Congress, uh, or they said I could take their misdemeanor plea deal uh, and not have to go before a D.C. judge and a D.C. jury on felony charges connected to January 6th. Wow. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad that's behind you for the most part. You're under probation. That's a, that can be a pain in the neck. Look, you got a great, great event. This walkaway campaign is important. Walkawaycampaign.com. Tell us what's going on this Saturday, please, at the Metropolitan Republican Club on East 83rd Street. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things we do with walkaway that's been very important to me from the beginning is to try to get out there and engage in conversations and activism. Uh, that where I feel like the, the conservative movement and the Republican Party are failing. And one of those areas, I think, is connecting with minority communities and, and doing outreach and connecting with these people. So with Walkaway, we talk to black people, Chinese people, Asian people, or, you know, uh, Hispanic people, LGBT people. And this Saturday, since it's Pride Month and Pride Weekend, we decided to do a town hall where we're going to talk about LGBT issues, radical LGBT issues, and how this affects all of us. Because this is no longer kind of like a fringe, you know, side thing. These have come, these issues have come into the forefront, whether we're talking about uh, trans women in sports or we're talking about the sexualization of children in schools or if we're talking about the corporatization of pride and what's happening with Bud Light and the, the L.A. Dodgers and all this. So we want to get people together for what we're calling a culture war town hall. And what I think is great about Walk Away is we take people from various communities who have walked away from the left, who have walked away from this ideology, and we get people together to discuss how we can come together to save our country. And that's why I want to encourage everybody in the New York area, if you're in the Northeast, if you're in New York City, please come to our event Saturday, 3 o'clock at the Metropolitan Republican Club. 
You can get more information about it at walkawaycampaign.com. Once you're on our website, click the events tab, walkawaycampaign.com slash events. And um, we, we are asking for $10 for tickets, but if you don't have it, just come. We're, we'll let anybody in. It's, we, we just want people to participate in the conversation. Walk this away. Saturday at 3 o'clock. This Saturday, 3 o'clock, walkawaycampaign.com. And, oh, by the way, uh, I'll point out here that you happen to be uh, a gay man in America, and you do believe that the pride stuff has gone totally over the top. The transgender stuff is totally beyond recognition the sexual you mentioned it the sexualization of kids and the corporate media corporate america just buying into all this stuff it has gone totally crazy and you don't like it and anybody who says the lgbtq community i can't stand that that phraseology because it suggests that people of a certain orientation or a certain whatever think the same way and i don't think anything is more offensive than that well, no, and I mean, I'm living proof along with a number of the other people that will be at this event that the moment that you start speaking out uh, against the accepted political narrative of this quote-unquote community, you'll not only be ostracized, you'll be brutalized, you'll be crucified, you'll be uh, destroyed. Uh, I, I mean, they've gone out of their way to try to silence me and destroy my life because for the reason you just said, I'm a gay man who very publicly walked away and encouraged other people to do the same. But, you know, the more that I do this work and the more that I see how these people are and how they react, the more it confirms for me that we are, in fact, dealing with a Marxist agenda, a Marxist takeover in this country. These people have no conscience. They have no soul. You know, they're just they're hijacking minority communities, using them as Trojan horses to push their agenda. And anybody who objects, they want to come after and they want to destroy them. But I'm going to keep fighting, and I have great people alongside me who are going to keep fighting. And, again, I just want to encourage anybody in New York City area, come fight with us this Saturday. Just attend this town hall, hear what we have to say, and, and see how you can be a part of helping us on this mission. 3 o'clock Saturday, uh, walkawaycampaign.com slash events. I love it. Uh, conveniently located on the Upper East Side, Upper East Side, 122 East 83rd Street at the Metropolitan Republican Club, walkawaycampaign.com. Brandon Strzok, good luck, and thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, Greg. All right, and we'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Did Tony find his way home? Tony Blinken, Secretary of State, the weakest man in the world. Please give it up. You are in over your head. Uh, what could he do? Well, he should be an art teacher at a middle school. He's not designed to be Secretary of Def- uh, State. No way. No way. Sandra in New Jersey. Hi. Are you there? Hi. I'm here. I am very much here. I wanted to say to you that I saw a documentary last night, and if people want to know what's going on with their young teenage children in the schools, this is an eye-opener. It's called Gender Gender Transformation, The Untold Realities. It, it debuted in Cinema Village the other day, and I found it online, and it shows you how you have this teacher you would die to have this teacher, you would think, and and the way she speaks, the way she looks, and then you find that it's not so. She's turning these kids the way you don't want them to go, and then um, it shows you how quickly the government easily will take your child away from you 
it just it shows everything. It, it targets in on two families that actually had this happen. And one mother lost her child because she committed suicide after doing the transition. All she right. It's called gender, gender transformation. The untold what? Realities. Gender transformation. Reality. The untold realities. We can find it online, right? That, that's correct. All right. I, I it sounds very important. I think we should all watch Gender Transformation, The Untold Realities. I'm actually, uh, yeah, I've heard something about this. I'm reaching out to the filmmakers. I'd like to uh, talk to them. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll do this quick. Greg in New Jersey, yes. Hi, Greg. Great show, man. I just wanted to uh, say something real quick. This Hunter Biden thing, all that is is a smokescreen for his father. His father's putting him out there to take all the heat. Joe Biden's stealing so much money, it's insane. And I think he's putting it all in Ireland, where I think he's going to retire, where I think he thinks nobody's going to touch him. All right, but you say, I think, I think. I mean, why do you say Ireland? How do you know that? Is that just a hunch? Well, well, he went, well, it's more than a hunch. It's an observation. Uh, he went there a couple of weeks ago and uh, refused to take questions from reporters. What was he doing over there in Ireland, uh, retracing his uh, ancestral roots? What he was doing, I guarantee 100 percent, he was setting up bank accounts to put all his stolen money in. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, well, look, we don't know. But uh, look, I, that that trip was weird. and It went on forever. Uh, interesting theory. Thank you. Uh, I got to go on to Pete in Piscataway. Pete, hi. Hello. Um, I was in the Navy from 1966 to 1970, and I kind of didn't like the way your conversation ended with the guy talking about Daniel Ellsberg. Well, which one? He Um, came up a bunch yesterday. And look, I don't like Daniel Ellsberg, okay? The guy's a traitor. If you want to like Daniel Ellsberg, there are lots of places to go. They're worshiping him on the fake news, and we don't do that here, Pete. I'm sorry. Uh, This guy, uh, bad news dude and became a liberal hero, and I guess it's totally okay to steal thousands upon thousands upon thousands of documents from the Pentagon and drop them all from the New York Times. Donald Trump takes uh, a handful of classified documents that he had every right to have, and they arrest him for it? They arrest him for it? It's insane, and I'm sorry that you're a big uh, Daniel Ellsberg fan, but again, there are plenty of places for you to go. Can you te- let me tell nah, you? Nah, Pete, I gotta, I gotta move on. I'm not really interested. Jim in Connecticut. Hi, Jim. Hi, Greg. Listen, uh, this reparations thing. I wonder why never nobody ever brings up the fact that there were over 100 black slave owners in America, and some of them actually owned white slaves. Now they were certainly outnumbered by the number of white slave owners. Now wait a second. Wait time. a second. Wait a second. There were white slaves in America. Absolutely. Some of these black slave owners did have white slaves. Not very many, but they did have them. Where did you hear and this? The reason, oh, I looked it up on the Internet. Well, the Internet. Oh, the Internet. All right. But where were these guys? Uh, where, 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 where were these uh, black slave owners and the white slaves? Where? Where? Yeah, where? I mean, like what state? There, well, there, there are articles out there. All right, articles out there. Look, before you call the radio station, I want to get this stuff all straightened out, all right? I'm sorry, but that's a little bit too vague for me. The Internet, uh, articles, uh, no, I need uh, I need a little bit more. Uh, but thank you, uh, buddy. Uh, Jim in Bayshore, hi. How you doing, Craig? 
Hello? I want to talk a little bit about reparations as well. I think that I have a better idea for what we can target reparations for. How about we take the 320,000 white and 40,000 black soldiers who perished in the Civil War and trace their uh, relatives and give them reparations? I think that's more appropriate, don't you think? No, I think the whole thing is insane. And, oh, by the way, there were reparations. I think there were um, – we had a modicum of a Veterans Affairs Department back then, uh, precursor. Uh, arrangements were made for uh, the, the families of the fallen. So, Jim, I mean, come on. I think you're trying to be provocative and, oh, by the way, you know, w- what about this? I think what about uh, all of it is stupid reparations for stuff in uh, in the 1850s and 60s. It's crazy. You know that. I mean, you're, you're not being serious. This is just a – you know, a cute kind of rebuttal to the insane talk, which, you know, I encourage cute rebuttals, but I don't think that's a good idea. None of it's a good idea. Reparations, gosh, locked in the past. It's it's insane. Thank you, Jim. Uh, let's go to Vito in Staten Island. Hi, Vito. Hey, Greg. How's everything? Uh, about you, about the, um, uh, uh, President Biden, he went to Philadelphia to, about with the uh, – the highway collapsed, but he never went to New Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio. That's a where, good point. That's uh, a good point. Um, secondly, um, Kamala Harris let her primary. Who cares? She'll she'll be she'll be primary primaried out in thirty seconds. Wait, now, say wait, 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 wait. Who, ca- who cares what? Who cares what about Kamala Harris? What if, if, if she if she runs for office, she'll be for president. She'll get primaried out in thirty seconds. Uh, you'd be surprised. Look, I would, you would, a, a, a sane person would, but the Democrats are so woke and weird that it would be very difficult for a guy like Gavin Newsom to run against a black woman like Kamala Harris. So I don't think it's as. Uh, e- I mean, look, for us, it's easy. We don't care what people look like. We don't care what their gender is. You know, if you got good ideas, great. If you got crazy ideas, not so great. So I don't think it's as easy as you think. Um, but thank you for that. And finally, Barbara, the legend. Yes, Barbara, welcome back. Well, thank you very much, Greg. I heard you just mention about being worried about the validity and honesty of the next election. And I am also, all Americans should be. And another thing that just happened on June 5th, the Postal Service released their final report about the ballots that were shipped, for example, from Bethpage, New York, a couple of hundred thousand ballots, ballots to Lancaster, PA, ballots which were filled out and delivered. And when the truck driver reported on it, he was to- to- called a liar, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the post office investigated it. They very quietly released their final report, and it confirmed that these trailers hauled ballots from New York to PA. And then if you look at the St. Thomas More Society's Amistad, A-M-I-S-T-A-D project, they reported this on June 5th. They are a national constitutional litigation organization. That's a mouthful. But the Amistad Project, these attorneys said they have sworn declarations of over 300,000 ballots at issue in Arizona. The same thing through postal shipping of ballots, 548,000 in Michigan, 204,000 in Georgia, and over 120,000 in Pennsylvania. And this investigation was slowed down because Bill Barr ordered it to be so. So you can read about it in a number of different places. 
Joe Freed at the American Thinker wrote a very good article about this. So we would all do well to worry about and do anything we can to keep this election honest so that every honest vote is counted. You know, a story like this, you know, you would think that the the evening news, uh, the nightly news, the world news, the evening news, all of it would be pounding the hell out of it, along with the New York Times, Washington Post. Instead, no, it's buried, and you got to go to the American thinker, which is perfectly good and important, but uh, you know what I mean, the mainstream media ignoring it and... Uh, and folks missing it and it not being all that relevant. We got to make it relevant. We thank you for bringing this to our attention. And oh, by the way, I've got to share this, folks. Uh, a federal jury convicted three defendants of interstate stalking of Chinese nationals in the United States and two defendants of acting or conspiring to act on behalf of the People's Republic of China. A retired NYPD sergeant and uh, so-called co-conspirators are first defendants convicted after a U.S. trial in connection with the PRC's repatriation program, Operation Fox Hunt. Now, um, I'm actually disappointed in this verdict. I think it was a bad case. Uh, Michael McMahon is the retired police officer of New Jersey. And, oh, I didn't know. No music or anything like that. To be continued, I'll see you tomorrow.